Sorry, can't say. What's that word you use? Spoilers. I like that word. Balar Mogulis. And welcome to Spoiler Nation, the podcast where we have spoiler-filled discussions on your favorite and sometimes not so favorite movies and TV shows. <laughs> Did I say it right? Did I say Valar Mogulis right? I am. Yes. Yeah. Sure. People were angry at me for saying it wrong last, oh, really? last episode. You're apparently, bur- burning pitchforks outside <laughs> yeah. your house. Yeah. So my name is Howie, and I'm the senior editor at IsolatedNation.com, and Today, we're going to talk about Season 8, Episode 2 of Game of Thrones, titled A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And uh, joining me is not Reese. Reese is uh, off on sabbatical somewhere <laughs> today. So he's taking a break. But joining me is Lewis. Hi. Hello. A fellow Game of Thrones fan. Yeah. A huge uh, fantasy aficionado. Uh, I guess if I can disclose this, you're also my dungeon master in yep, our D and D sounds a lot campaign. less kinky than it actually is, but yeah, yeah, that's fair. Games master, if you want to be tasteful about it, that's what it says on the cards. Yeah, yeah. We obviously talked about the um, Beyond the Wall episode last season in mm-hmm. season seven. We had some differing opinions. We did, um, mostly around uh, Sansa and Arya. So obviously, in season seven, there there was the whole whole Sansa versus Arya storyline, you know, will they be pitted against each other um, mm-hmm. by Littlefinger? And we both took our side. You were obviously on Team Arya, and yep. uh, I'm on Team Team Sansa. Yep. He- heated uh, words were exchanged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fair. <laughs> but safe to say we're on the same side now. What yeah, do you, what do you yeah think? I'd say that's pretty fair. And I think we'll, we'll talk more about it later, but I think... Yes, Sansa grew on me and has grown on me a lot in the past few episodes. I I, I like her a lot more than than I did last season. Okay, good. That's good to hear. And I like Arya a lot more than I did last season. Isn't that nice? Character (laughs) development. Now that we've established that we're on the same side, I think for now, for now, we'll see what your thoughts are in um, episode two of the final season of Game of Thrones. In the name of the warrior, I charge you to be brave. In the name of the father, I charge you to be just. In the name of the mother, I charge you to defend the innocent. Arise, Brienne of Tarth. A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. Sabrienne of Tarth, Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. What did you think uh, of the episode? What grade would you give it? I enjoyed it, but I knew exactly from the outset what it was going to be. So I knew that there wasn't going to be, you know, any action necessarily Mm -hmm. in that episode. And Mm -hmm. I knew it was going to be kind of, you know, the night before and the lead up and this kind of conversational character development. And, you know, to be rewarded with a full episode of that's really cool. Um, And I think that was it was nice to kind of see some kind of proper character interaction without any kind of... uh, um, 
outwardly kind of consequence or or a distraction do you know what i mean so just yeah. for that moment it was just about those characters that's right and um i think that was that was nice to see i mean i, I think in terms of an episode yeah it was I, I found it enjoyable i mean i think it was probably i'd give it a strong b strong b yeah, yeah strong yeah. b like a b plus i guess <laughs> i see i see yeah. uh interestingly it's the third episode ever that had zero deaths in the whole series yeah wow okay yeah no so one died. No yeah, one. No, no one died. Well, crazy. Uh, and I think it's the the second episode ever that is only set on centered on one location, which is of course Winterfell. Did you notice as well in the intro trailer, the intro credits, they had uh, ditches outside Winterfell. No. Yeah, pretty cool. In the opening credits, when you go back and watch it next time. Um, yes. Yeah, they've got they've got like ditches in the in the moving map in the credits. They've got ditches outside water, uh, Winterfell, like spike pits. I see. They're ready for war. Yep. Yep. And then you yeah. saw it obviously with a uh, uh, great one. Yes, yes. Prepping Winterfell. Mm-hmm. We'll jump right into where we left off last uh, episode, right? Um, Jamie arrives at Winterfell. Mm-hmm reveals his hood and we see that it's jamie mm-hmm. and then the iconic line by bran uh, last episode which is you know i'm waiting for an old friend yeah and so he turns and he looks in horror the boy that he pushed off yep. a tower giving him the old thousand yard yeah, stare in, in the very first episode yep we kick off from his arrival mm-hmm. sort of like a mini trial yep. he has to answer for his previous crimes yeah previous crimes yep. and and has to assure the people of Winterfell and Danny, um, that he's not there to kill them, basically. Like, you know, that they can trust him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what did you think of this scene? For me, a lot of this is, is semantics, I think, and it's the thing that I find frustrating, and I think that's done deliberately, is that, you know, a lot of the part you're caught up in these previous transgressions and mm-hmm. their previous political ties and loyalties and lack of. Yes. As opposed to... You know, I like what I like about Jon Snow and about Jamie is they seem to be the ones kind of focused on the the bigger picture and yes. and willing to sacrifice almost everything in order to ensure that's happening. Whereas a lot of the other characters, again, we'll talk about a little bit more, but certainly like Daenerys, etc. Mm-hmm. There is an overriding thing of I've come to get what I want and I'll yes. play ball as long as it's convenient. But as soon as it's not, I'm out. And as a viewer, it's frustrating mm-hmm. because you know I'm sitting there going, I don't. You know, you shouldn't care about any of this. That, and, and that's a good uh, criticism of, uh, you know, the priorities that these people have, and that's certainly very, uh, it's a valid criticism, especially towards someone like Daenerys. Mm-hmm. John is an exception, but it's easy for Danny and someone like Jamie Lannister to tell the North, hey, you know, let's focus here on the big picture. I'm here on your side now. Let's let bygones be bygones. Mm-hmm. They're in the position of power. So, you know, Jamie was the perpetrator. So um, it's easy for him to say, oh, yeah, forget about the past. But, you know, there's a reason why they don't trust him. You can't just say, you know what? We have a different goal now, so you need to oh, yeah. Of everything. course, you're going to need like justification and an explanation from it. I fully understand that, but yeah. I think as well it's incredibly hypocritical of Daenerys, considering that she has openly denounced her father as like an evil man I... and, a, and a crazy man, and then for her to be like, "You killed my dad. You need to answer for that." Like you would have killed your dad too now if you had the chance. I right. agree with you a hundred percent. So this is the thing with Daenerys, right? I think in this scene, 
scene, you know, obviously she says, I used to hear a bedtime story about the man who killed our father. Yeah. I, I actually don't think that she cares, but this is her chance to show off to the rest of the North. This is her chance to, you know, kind of exhibit to the rest of the North how she conducts business that's kind of how she's playing it right okay as well which is she's almost uh uh, not putting on an act but aware of this will be a reflection of how people see her Mm -hmm. so that's why you see her turning to sansa that's why you see her go and what does the warden of the north thinks you know yeah um because um she you know to her merit has a bigger kind of uh, game in her mind. Mm-hmm. But that's, um, yeah, at this point, I mean, like, look, you either accept him or you don't, right? He's yeah. like, he's he's a one-handed, washed-up fighter, right? Yes. So, you know, if, uh, he's not going to do a whole bunch. It's mm-hmm. it's symbolic at this point to accept his, his help, right? So if you symbolically don't want to accept his help, then, like, don't stand there with your dick out and parade around <laughs> in front of everybody about making a big song and dance about yeah. it when, obviously, we know that, like, time is scarce and, you know, this stuff. And it's just all, it's all caught up in, in fancy, you know? And yeah, it was yeah. the same thing with Sansa. Like, you know... As soon as well, why I rated Sansa's approach compared to Daenerys is as soon as Brienne stood up for him, somebody that she like knew and and respected and trusted, yeah. then she was like, yeah, cool, all good with me. Yeah, like yeah. you want him to fight for you, I'm all good with that because I trust you implicitly. Yeah. End of conversation, done. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, for Daenerys, it felt like peacocking. Uh, exactly, exactly. And it's good that you brought up the Brienne part because her standing up and up for Jamie tied together what I like about the show, which is the history between the characters and what how the history between those characters can influence character interactions mm-hmm. within the scene. And I love that they didn't forget about how these people relate to, to each, each other, other. because yeah. sometimes they can. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they, in order to get to one point, you know, let's say Littlefinger being outsmarted, they have to essentially maneuver these characters in a way that's not organic. Mm-hmm. But in this episode, I think even from the get-go, everything that Brienne says, everything that Jamie says, and Sansa's reaction to Brienne. So why have you abandoned your house and family now? Because this goes beyond loyalty. This is about survival. You don't know me well, Your Grace. But I know Sir Jamie. He is a man of honor. I was his captor once. But when we were both taken prisoner and the men holding us tried to force themselves on me, Sir Jamie defended me and lost his hand because of it. Without him, my lady, you would not be alive. He armed me, armored me, and sent me to find you and bring you home because he'd sworn an oath to your mother. You vouch for him. I do. You would fight beside him. I would. I trust you with my life. If you trust him with yours, we should let him stay. Sansa's instant reaction to that. Yeah. It's more, oh, this makes sense that Sansa would react this way. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I think, yeah, that's something the Game of Thrones has consistently done really well, and I think it's something that the books do really well as well, is continue that cyclical kind of nature yeah. of, of storytelling. And you'll notice that a lot of things go in circles, yes. you know, and c- kind of tie back in and history repeats itself. And I think that's something that's kind of consistent with George R. R. Martin's writing and something that has also been 
implied quite a lot in the in the books you know yes stuff like the spiral from last episode you know all this kind of stuff um mm-hmm. the, what do you think about that by the way sorry to get off on tangent oh the spiral thing. yeah uh i don't obviously the spiral uh symbolizes at the most surface level the creation of the white the night king of, mm-hmm. of white walkers mm-hmm, in general mm-hmm. that's what i think he sees it as mm-hmm. as to what it actually means i don't know crazy theory number one yes obviously i think the night king's a targaryen okay because obviously there is this kind of theory going around it look the spiral looks like the targaryen symbol right well, that and only targaryens can ride dragons right okay yeah so Jon Snow's a Targaryen, Daenerys is a Targaryen. Uh-huh. If the Night King can ride a dragon and only Targaryens can ride dragons, then it's logical to assume that the Night King is a Targaryen. That is a logical explanation for it, but maybe, you know, once um, the Night King turns something, it just listens to, you know... Oh, so it's not even counted as, like, a dragon anymore. It's like... Yeah, it's like just basically zombie. part of the undead. Yeah, okay, that's true. That's um, true. I mean, I I like that theory, and and, and we'll, I'm interested to see where it goes. There's a big hole in my theory though, which is that I think timeline wise, if I remember correctly, like the first man which became yeah the Night King yeah. is way before the Targaryens. Yeah, yeah but, way, way before. But I, I, look, it's a loose theory, but <laughs> it, it's it's might go go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. When the first men were there, the Targaryens weren't there yet. Yeah. Because the the Targaryens were there to conquer the Seven Kingdoms. And by that point, the White Walkers were, I think, kind of a distant memory. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, interesting. Let's, let's, let's see where it goes, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that annoyed me with that first scene with, with Jamie in the, in, the, uh, in the room is um, Daenerys um, belittling, no pun intended, Tyrion. Yes, because obviously Jamie breaks the news. Yeah. Uh, yeah, turns out, as uh, you all might know, Cersei is lying. Yeah. <laughs> now, why didn't Tyrion predict that? This is the number one reason that I think why Tyrion didn't see this coming. Mm-hmm. Bad writing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly think that the show didn't know what to do with Tyrion in season seven and forced him to make this is what I'm saying the, these this can be the flaw of the show sometimes where Tyrion is forced to make um, uncharacteristic mistakes so that we can get to you know the the ice dragon being born you know like so but would it have changed that much if he was like yo don't bother she's just gonna betray you in a way like she come he comes away from that it's just like if i know my sister she's not gonna send men up so let's just not worry about it move on and then jamie turns up and he's like hey i know you realized that she wasn't gonna send anyone up anyway but i'm here because you know i'm a good guy i don't feel like that would have changed much that's true i just don't see uh why he, well, it, he it said, makes no sense he said it was the pregnancy right yes. his his logic in the show is like oh, i thought the pregnancy would make her soft basically yeah and like care, yeah care about shit yeah which i guess and then it answered my question because i before the episode was like i don't even know if she's pregnant like i don't know if this is a play etc and yeah. then jamie's like nah it's real yes so i kind of believe jamie because he's got no reason to lie yeah i think she is actually pregnant just because unless she's playing him well, I, I, if you can recall the first episode, um, she sleeps with Euron Greyjoy, mm-hmm. and you're like, I, and I was baffled by that decision. The eternal Tinder bio uh, line. Yeah. I hated that. But 
now I'm realizing that she sleeps with him because, you know, when he says, I'm going to put a put baby a baby in your, you. a prince in yeah, your belly yeah, yeah. She's so she can with tell him. The, him that that's her son exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly so that confirms or gives more evidence that she's not lying about the pregnancy but here's the other thing why hit him with such a witty snappy line in inverted commas and then just give it up anyway 10 minutes later I don't know. Anyway, we... <laughs> yeah, sorry, we're getting off track. Um, but, um, yeah, okay, so... So, yes, Daenerys then immediately turns to Tyrion, like, hey, bro, you, you're you an... Either, because she said these lines, right? Either you're a fool yeah. or you're a traitor. Yeah. And he immediately goes, I'm, I'm a fool. I'm a fool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but is that a good enough excuse? I do feel for Danny here in a sense that, you know, Tyrion has let her down many, many times. Twice. At least three. I reckon he's at, saved at, her more than he's let her down. At, at least three times because the whole marine debacle was him as well. So, yeah, you know, it's just. But then, like, it's like at the end of the day, like, who's running this shit? Do you know what I mean? If you're just going to, like, he's an advisor, absolutely. But if you think he's wrong, and, like, you can't then, like, take his advice and then blame him for it consistently. But here's the thing, right? <clears throat> this is the trouble with having bad advisors, especially for someone like Danny, because she's learning that when she follows her heart, she gets results. Mm-hmm. And when she listens to her advice, she gets short shrifted. Mm-hmm. She, you know, when she listens to Tyrion, mistakes are being made. She gets the short end of the stick. But then when she's like, screw it, I'm going to burn um, the Lannister army, mm-hmm. she gets it. You know, so yeah. it's dangerous yeah. because. Until she sets fire to the Tarly family <laughs> and then comes face to face with Samuel. But that's a, a good example of she thinks that her way is the right way because the other people just keep letting her down. Mm-hmm. Well, other people, I mean Tyrion, Tyrion. really. Yeah. But, like, do you know what I mean? If, if she'd asked Missandry the same questions, like, do you reckon she would have done any better? Like, no. Would she have got super mad at her? Probably. I, d- I don't really... I think that he's, like, the fall guy for... I, look, the Lannister fuck-up, this one was Cersei not bringing her army. That's entirely on him, 100%. It's his sister. He knows the family. Yes. He was the one that claimed he could get her to change her mind. Like, that's on his doorstep. No lie. But I think, like, a lot of the time, she views him as, like, a liability, where, in reality failure or success he's done a better job than almost anybody else in that situation could do i do you know what i mean like who who else who else could have in the times he fucked up who else could have correctly advised her to success who knows because we didn't hear any advice maybe jorah maybe varus i'm just saying varus yeah okay cool and interestingly you know when he turns to them both and says like you're going one of you is going to be wearing this soon about the hand of the king yes i reckon this is this adds to my theory <laughs> Tyrion's going to be king man crazy th- theory number two mm, mm. i just i got this feeling man i don't know what it is i have no logical reason for it whatsoever <laughs> but i've just got this gut feeling that Tyrion is going to end up as the king and varus is going to be the hand of the king i mean i see that as a possibility i think Tyrion might be someone who will survive till at least the end of the season yeah so he's going to be in the crypts remember yes we'll we'll get to that we'll get to the crypts Mm. so let's close up the scene um the 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 kind of courtroom scene yeah so jamie gets okayed jamie gets okay thanks to brianne Mm -hmm. 
but um, you can tell already John having processed the news that Danny is his aunt mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, can't even look Danny in the eye he's barely present for that whole Jamie scene yeah, yeah. you know he's just like oh yeah sure whatever you know he's just as, one as you would be if someone just told you you were banging your aunt right? <laughs> yeah um, so Jamie's arrival and this um, meeting um, brings to light to Danny a possible commonality between her and Sansa. Mm-hmm. They both don't trust Cersei. Yeah. Um, so Danny um, uses this to, you know, as an olive branch, basically. And you get that kind of cool scene because you've never really seen these two characters talk to each other directly before. Yeah. So you have the scene with Danny and Sansa, and they almost, you know, become f- friends or acquaintances, right? Yeah, almost. Almost, because Danny is like, look, you know, hey, women, we sisters got to stick together. Yeah. Right. And then and- until Sansa's like, <laughs> war by the North, though. Exactly. Yeah. You pointed this out in terms of the hypocrisy of Danny, which is she is in a position to tell people to drop their uh, kind of preoccupation with politics and standing because it serves her. Because she. Because that means that she doesn't have to drop her. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of hypocritical for her to ask other people to set their prejudices and set their expectations aside for her, where she is 100% unwilling to do that. Yeah. And I mean, you saw it with like the little symbolic hand taken off at the end yes. when uh, when Thingy walks in. You know, yes. like, for me, that was like one of the those things where I was just like, fuck you. <laughs> like, you know, the pair of you like have the opportunity to come together. Bit of like, like you said, man, like sisterhood, you know, like yeah. stay together, charging. You guys are both like, you know, leaders, smart, intelligent, yes. fierce women, etc. And then like, literally you get preoccupied in some like naive bullshit about not being able to provide for for the North, which is totally fair on Sansa's part. And that's again another tick for Sansa in my book, because she was just like, nah, fuck you. Like, do you know what I mean? Like what what's happening? What's what are you doing for us? Like and she's like, Oh well, nothing but sisterhood, right? Yeah, exactly. And I like that, you know, from where Sansa is coming from and it's a very stark value. It's how are we protecting the North in this case? We've been taken advantage of so many times that we vowed we will never be ruled by another different king or mm-hmm. queen so how do you resolve that and and danny's just like i don't know but i just want to rule you, you yeah know? that's it yeah that's that we'll discuss that down the line or whatever yeah, like, yeah yeah exactly and so their scene gets interrupted by the arrival of Theon Greyjoy and mm-hmm. re- the what's remaining of the Iron Fleet. Wait, is it the Iron Fleet? No, it's no, no, the it's, Ironborn. Well, it's not even that because they, they went back to most of them went back to the Iron Islands. They, he brings some of them, right? It's like five. Yeah, a handful, <laughs> I think. It's a token gesture. Right? Yeah. Yeah, same as Jamie. Um, so this is a very interesting scene to me because he addresses Danny immediately because obviously Danny thinks that these are my people mm-hmm. and you know what happened to Yara and he goes she only has a few ships and she couldn't sail them here so she's sailing to the Iron Islands instead to take them back in your name but why aren't you with her and he then switches to Sansa I want to fight for Winterfell Lady Sansa if you'll have me And then they hug, and you get that look from Danny, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's almost confused. Well, what do you what do you think of that look? 
I mean, I think for her again, it's that thing of like, I'm your queen. Mm-hmm. Why is this kind of like? Why are you here not wanting to fight for your queen yes. and instead wanting to fight for this? It's again yeah. another another spoke in the rivalry wheels, mm-hmm. you know. And I think she's almost baffled by the fact that Sansa can um, kind of not command like people inspire are inspire such ins- loyalty, inspire yeah. a loyalty, yeah, such loyalty in terms of Theon is willing to die defending Winterfell. And and this is not someone you know. He's his own. He has his own house. You know. He he doesn't have to you know bend a knee to Sansa, and yeah. yet he does it willingly. Bear in mind, though, I don't know if if she knows any of the history of. Uh, of course, of course. So him that's taking Winterfell. That's but. part of it, right? And and but it doesn't change the fact that you know no one really is willing to do that for Sansa uh, for Daenerys except for John. Yeah. Nephew. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nephew John. Yeah. And really moving scene between Theon and Sansa because the last we saw them, they parted ways um, f- from having um, escaped from um, Winterfell, but like Ramsay Bolton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, kind of moving to see the them together and... again. And I never thought that I would want a redemption arc for someone like Theon just because he's done really horrible things. But here we are. You know, I feel like getting that much of your body mutilated kind of gives someone a fresh slate <laughs> on the whole like, you know, bad acts. Like that's kind of penance. I feel uh, like. that that's true. I think that is penance, but I I still didn't care if he died or not until he decided to well, he fight just, for the stars. He was just so meek, wasn't he? Like, yeah. It's difficult to like somebody yeah. that's just like a magic harp of a human being. Yeah. You know, just like flopping around. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think. I don't know. I thought there might have been some sort of romantic thing there briefly mm. between I hope between not. Santa and Theon. I well, sure I mean, hope that's not. another Grey Worm situation. Well, isn't for it? practical like, reasons, action, and just like action manning. <laughs> I just like their relationship in that we've gone through the same trauma, shared experiences, shared experiences. Mate. We're in brother and sister context. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I kind of I mean, like. I, I mean, if, if who knows? Were, who knows? But I know who'd wear the trousers. <laughs> I don't think yeah. there'd be any doubt who was in of charge course. of that relationship. Of course. Right. I just don't see Sansa liking him in that way, yeah, you know, yeah. Cause, because he has done very atrocious things yeah, yeah, at the end of, of the day, you know. Yeah. Let's move to the saucy scene that everyone's oh, yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah. The, the talk of the town, Arya and Gendry. Yeah, super interesting, man. <laughs> like, uh, I, look, it was weird. It was weird to watch, yeah. But But I think, like, I think it's only weird because of the way that I view Arya as a character. Yeah, we saw her as a, just n- a child. Not well, yeah, and but like a hardened, like non-sexualized, yes. ultra-violent child. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. one who had horrific experiences, but it didn't manifest as a kind of sexuality. Yeah, it manifested as like a cold, unemotional, like she, an emotionless. She almost presents it as asexual. Yeah, yeah, sense. exactly. Yeah. Like that's the last thing on her mind was the impression that I got over the last few seasons. And obviously, you know, she was up until quite recently borderline, you know, kind of pubescent. Or, yeah. Uh, so uh, realistically, that's not going to be, you know, kind of a theme until these last kind of bits. But it was still kind of weird. It was like a little bit like, you know, trying to watch your little sister in like a, in like a yeah. sex scene or something. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. oh, nah, nah. Like to me, you are like a, a little girl, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like a nails little girl, but a little girl still. Yeah. I find it super interesting because of that. Like there's a couple of reasons I find it. Super- well, the first, I guess, is that 
she is yeah somebody that is traditionally so emotionless yes and so um kind of just detached and for her to you know quite boldly put the moves on on gendry and and for want of a better word seduce him it wasn't very seductive it was quite matter of fact it was more like demanding yeah seductive in an aria way um but i think like yeah that was that was very i think unusual for her and kind of a a little show of weakness Mm. Uh, as in vulnerability yeah well i think i think there's you know she let's be honest right she's saying like oh i want to try it before yeah. before it though whatever. yeah like has Arya ever in this eight seasons up until now ever been someone that's considered death or were we uh, worried about that no no and then like now she's like i want to try this because realistically that means that in her head there's a chance she's going to die she's, she might die yes yes and like that that kind of vulnerability and that like honesty is something that we've never seen from her yeah like yeah. for the whole thing she's been this thing of like death not what do we say to the death not today like yeah. now yeah. she's saying okay today yeah like and that's that's unusual right like that was the bit that kind of threw me is like oh no shit like even she thinks like mm, mm. odds are against us that and that's that sentiment is thick in the air mm. in this episode yeah. everyone despair everyone feels like they're going to die in the next episode right because even Tormund says <laughs> We're all going to die, but at least we'll die together. Yeah. And she, and he looks at Brienne with the beaming eyes. It. I think also their flirtation actually begins in that uh, in the scene where he she demands to have her weapon built mm-hmm. by by Gendry, and mm-hmm. and he's like, "Look, I fought these things. You know, they're death. Bad, really bad. I yeah. think is yeah. <laughs> good old explanation. Gendry. Very yeah. very descriptive." Mm. Even a smith's apprentice can do better than really bad. What do they look like? What do they smell like? How do they move? How hard are they to kill? Look, I know you want to fight. All right? You're not scared of rapers or murderers or... This is different. This is... This is death. You want to know what they're like? Death. That's what they're like. And then she does the whole... Yeah. Edge lord. <laughs> like, I've known I death. Know death. He's got many faces. I look forward to seeing this one. Like, yeah, that man. is a that's a very D and D move as Dude, well. Dude, that is I literally said that last night as we were sitting watching it. I was like, that is like your chaotic neutral rogue, like your little teenager playing D and D for the friend. Like, I'm gonna play like the edgiest character who doesn't talk yes. to anyone with a sweeping fringe, <laughs> and like that is exactly it. Like, I've known death; it has many faces. Like, yes, throwing the knives, etc. Like, yeah. And Gendry was into it. Yeah, well, I mean, look, dude, like, you know, if you're if you're Gendry, like, you probably would be, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I, think, I think, dude, how jacked is Gendry, though? God damn. He, he looks really good, God especially, damn. and they really want to kind of emphasize that because you have that smoke coming Bro, out of him. He's a blacksmith body, baby. And, and like, that's smudge. He's got them it's, like, it's like the, he's got the hot mechanic mate, cr- look. Cracking it. Like, yeah, the whole time I was like, you know, that was whatever, like, are you? You know, she kept it. She kept it uh, decent. There was no, there was no kind of uh, no explicit reveals. I, I believe she I whispered like, like, "Damn, son." Yeah, on her breath. I'm right? not, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I whispered, "Damn, son." Yeah, Gendry's Jack. Um, Interesting as well. Again, tying back to that whole thing of of it mirroring itself. That um, season one. Yes. Ned and Robert talking about you have a son and I have a daughter. Let's, and let's... join our houses, and here we have. Uh, oh, uh, I was gonna get pregnant. 
<laughs> no. Calling it. No. She's staying alive. She's getting I, pregnant, baby. I don't want any more baby type situation. No, you dumb. No. But that's, mate, welcome to medieval life. Like there ain't no, there ain't no like Trojan Max going around <laughs> in those days. Maybe there's a faceless men contraception. That she can, she's what, using. just like wanting somebody else's face or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a bit know. dark. Yeah, so we have a theoretical union between yeah, a Baratheon yeah, and a Stark. Joining of the families, mate. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Very symbolically. Symbolically. So that that's a the prospect is exciting to think about. Yep. Yeah, I like it. It's a um, shame that one or both of them is going to die. I th- yeah, Gendry. It's not looking too hot for Gendry, but nah, we'll see. Because he's got a real strong claim to the throne, but he's not a big enough character. <laughs> no, so I reckon no. he's just to tie it in a neat little bow. He's going to go out one way or the other. Yeah, like, yeah. I I, uh, I uh, I'm rooting for. I really am. But. I think Arya's story doesn't end doesn't feel like it should end with the night king just because i don't think her story is tied to that and also if you can recall early in this maybe in season two melisandra says to her i see a darkness in you and in that darkness eyes staring back at me brown eyes blue eyes green eyes eyes you'll shut forever We will meet again. I don't know who has blue eyes, but mm-hmm. maybe it's the Night King. Targaryens also oh, have oh, blue eyes. There you go. Mm. Um, but she also said, we will meet again. Like, uh, you'll on. say that like come to on. someone who's dying, right? We'll meet again. Like, <laughs> not, in this life But the not next, Melisandre. Like... You know, like, Melisandre has no connection to her. Why would she meet her in the afterlife? It makes no sense. Yeah, true. Um, so I think that based on that and if they follow that prophecy mm-hmm. um melisandra has to be back to see Arya for her to at least have that uh, chance of dying <laughs> yeah okay otherwise she's gonna live yeah maybe yeah maybe. so that, that's what that's what i'm thinking but okay. that's also what makes me really sure that they're going to fail in winterfell like people like the night king's going to win this battle yeah you're super certain i'm very certain okay um just because I think Mel- Melisandre has a part to play in the downfall of the Night King. And I, the fact that she's not even here yet okay. is, is telling. Sorry, just so we're correct. Uh, I'm correct because names confuse me. Melisandre is... Melisandre is the Red, Red Woman. Witch. So that's my prediction, yeah, I guess. Yeah, okay. Okay, so let's talk about the uh, strategy council meeting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, before that everyone's setting up so we have a, a quick scene with you know it's kind of like the lover's goodbye scene with Grey Worm and Masande mm-hmm. who is um, Daenerys' assistant mm-hmm. she's also uh, or gonna, translator she's gonna die she, you think she's going Next to die? Episode, I'm calling it oh right my now. God. I, I mean, Grey Worm for sure. Shores. Nah, I reckon Grey Worm's going to live. Really? Yeah, I reckon this. You know that, like, um, the Grey, I can't wait to see the shores of, of North yes. or whatever it is. North? Is that right? Uh, where, North. Wherever she's from. Yeah, I I reckon. Uh, this, She'll see it in heaven, is that what you're saying? No, no. <laughs> I, I reckon, and this I can't take credit for this. I read this somewhere, but I think somebody was talking about, and I liked the theory a lot, somebody was talking about bringing, like, Grey Worm surviving and bringing her body back to North and being the protector of that that land because they're people that don't, they're, like, pacifistic people. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Okay, I like that. That's very romantic. Me too. Yeah, I thought it was, like, Shakespearean. So I was like, I'm okay with that. If that's what happens, that's cool. But, yeah, I reckon she was too poetic in this episode. I reckon she's going to die. Okay. Well, whatever it is, tragedy awaits for this couple. Yeah. 
and then the council meeting. Essentially, the final strategic session of um, Winterfell, where they talk about how they're going to maneuver against the Night King when the army comes, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you saw a picture of the. Um, so there's someone took a close up of the the kind of the setup of mm-hmm. how you know basically they have tiles to represent how they're going to arrange their army. Yeah. And yep. <laughs> right at the front are the Dothraki. <laughs> yeah, classic. So um, R.I.P. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but um. Yeah. Which which is kind of funny in a in a sad way because they're dying like for essentially someone else's war. Yeah, um, but I mean, dude, they're nails. I'd put them yeah. at the front of my army. Yeah. Like yeah. you're not gonna put them in the back just chilling on horses. That's true. That's true. But I just find it. Yeah, they're they're funny. smoked. They're getting um, they're getting iced up by the dragon <laughs> like straight up, just yeah. frozen centaurs. <laughs> But uh, and then and then right behind them are the Targaryen. I think the Unsullied will be right behind them. Uh, on the left side, you have the Airy, like okay. the what, yeah, what yeah, do you the call Knights them? of the Vale, the Knights of the Vale, and yeah. then the other side on the uh, right, you have the Stark Bannermen. Yeah. Okay. Um, so and then interestingly, uh, inside Winterfell, they place the. The Mormont bear inside Winterfell, so whatever like the ten people that they have yeah, can defend be, yeah. Winterfell. Yeah, Jorah, right? Like probably, yeah. and then uh, what's her name as well? Lyanna. Yeah. Speaking of Jorah and Lyanna, we get a scene where Jorah is trying to talk Lyanna out of joining joining the fight. Um, everyone's talking about going into the crypts for safety. You can tell they've not met because he's trying to convince her to do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she's like, uh, "Do not." Uh, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, listen here, old man. Yeah. Like, don't you tell me what yeah. to do. Yeah, I love it. I, I love that. And um and but you know you get you get kind of this um a uh, uh, nice moment between them where she's like I wish I wish you good fortune. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Liana's gonna die. <laughs> you reckon? I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Look, she's going to be in the battle. She's going to die. We'll Who see, but so then we get we cut to the the strategy meeting, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, interesting. I hadn't seen that still of the photo of the the armies. Yeah, so do you think that's a good strategy? <sighs> they don't talk about the dragons, how they're going to use the dragons to during the battle. Yeah, surely just that they they will both be focused on Night King boy, especially now if they're like, oh yeah, the Night King's going to come for Bran. Okay, so yeah, let's talk talk about that. So. Brand decides to graciously share the the very important fact that the the Night King is coming straight for him. Yeah, about <laughs> about eight hours before the battle. Yeah, kicks off. you know, just yeah. casually throw it out there. Yeah, by the way. Um. Oh yeah, I'm the reason why he's coming here. Yeah. Um, cheers, guys. I no just one, throw him over the wall, man. People react to magic very strangely in this uh, show. Yeah. Uh, especially when it comes to Brand. Especially when it comes to John being revived. No one bats an eye, or they they kind of treat it as like a rumor that no one wants to address, you know. So even now, like no one really wants to question what is a three-eyed raven. You know, he said there've there've been multiple three-eyed ravens. Yeah. Right. And well, and, I don't know if it's just the assumption that we're all meant to know, like they all know because it's folklore. 
you know, in the same way that like, you know, we all know about Jesus Christ, like in that respect, whether it's just part of history. Yeah. And, you know, they all just nod because they're like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Three eyed ravens or whether, yeah, whether it is just a case of they have no idea and there's more important things going on than to sit and press him for it. But you're like, I don't really know if there is more important things Uh, going on. Literally, the nature of what he is, is the reason why the Night King is coming. Unless the Night King is Bran. So, okay, obviously, um, we did this last episode where we kind of check in to see, um, is this theory that the Night King is Bran, does it still stand? Do we still have evidence that to dispel it? And, and I think so far, there there isn't evidence against this directly. I don't think it was anything more, that, but there wasn't anything less. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. It was kind of a- I don't know what like the conclusion would be like, i don't know why if they're if he's him why is he coming for himself maybe i don't know like i could i could theorize like some sort of stereotypical stoner about about you know like splitting people and needing to to stab someone with dragon glass to make them whole again yeah know, but, okay. but it would just be theories so yeah yeah i think look i, I think with with bran I, I i probably wouldn't do it that way if i was them but i think obviously that was before they knew about the information from from bran that they had kind of set up like that so yeah so bran then says okay i'll sit by the weirwood tree mm-hmm. uh, as bait um, and and then Theon volunteers uh, himself and the Ironborns to uh, protect him. Yeah, which is yeah awesome because yeah. Theon and five Ironborns are going to do... That's going to do the trick. Yeah, okay. that's it. That's the dragon's, hey, that's the dragon's hey, kryptonite, hey. mate. And, Theon, and what is the dickless man. And what is the motto for the Ironborn? What is dead may never die. Yeah, exactly. So... That that's yeah, something. Yep, yep. It's not it's not gonna end well. I think um, yeah. I think obviously they're planning on springing a trap on on old mate the Night King. Yes. Um. Do you think it'll work? I think it won't. But no, me neither. Um. And I think that uh, obviously, um. So throughout this episode, everyone is encouraged to go to the crypts, right? So there's that scene with the Night's Watch. What's left of them anyway? It's trying to send um uh Sam. Mm-hmm. to the crypts to protect it and sam is like well you know i was one of the first ones to kill a white walker yeah. mind you by accident i yeah. would say but yeah, still yeah. look i'll give him it that stands it stands <laughs> they all count uh i think that it's foreshadowing that maybe the crypts is actually a dangerous place to be in because they all are hammering home too much safety of the crypt. yeah the safety of the crypt is emphasized so much that i think that they're trying to get us to remember that when it when shit happens mm-hmm. uh i mean that would be you know red wedding-esque tragedy when because all the women and children will be that down there yeah um assu- you know assuming that they're safe um when they're not interesting yeah and it would put yeah because then mm, yeah i don't know i guess we'll find out won't we but it, i think the crypts are definitely gonna have something to do with it but i think i think whatever's going on will be filed by Tyrion from the crypts because Tyrion will be there mm-hmm. that's right um, redemption moment mm, mm. well we'll see we'll mm. see um okay i guess let's go to um 
uh, I guess one of the major set pieces of this episode, the heart of this episode, which is that which the title of the episode is named after, um, yep. Bri- the knighting of Brienne. Mm-hmm. This is an expertly done scene, in my opinion, because it starts off like the it just built upon itself layer by layer. It starts off with the Lannisters, Jaime and Tyrion, reminiscing about you know. How when we how when we were last here, mm-hmm. um, you know, you I was a whoremonger and yeah, you were the yeah, golden King, lion, yeah, yeah. and look at us now, You're defending still, yeah. Winterfell. <laughs> if only our father could see it. Yeah, you know that 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 com- I love that conversation, and it is a kind of a good reflective moment where you where you go. Is it was wow. he drinks to the perils of self betterment? I think is what they drink to, which that's, I love. I love a, that line. Yeah, the perils of self betterment. That's right. Yeah. yeah, it just makes you go, wow, what? How far they have come, especially Jamie, especially Jamie, the key villain for three to you know three to four seasons, and now uh, will die to save Winterfell. Mm-hmm. And um, it was very moving when he pledged himself to Brienne and to say, you know, I came here essentially to, to fight, fight alongside you. Yeah, or underneath you, I guess. Yeah. Under and, your command. Exactly. And um, it's a very moving moment because I love the relationship between Brienne and Jamie. Uh, you know, I want it to be rom- romantic, I guess. I think but, Brienne does too. Yeah. So I think maybe we'll get there. But, um, uh, well, as in we'll get some kind of conclusion or acknowledgement between the two. I don't think we will. I think we will, but then... I don't then, think Brienne will ever say anything. Really? Yeah, I think... I too think, stoic, man. I don't think she'll say anything. Unless Jamie dies and she, like, goes and nurses his body as I he's dying. I think... So, this is my prediction for the battle. Mm-hmm. Brienne will sacrifice herself to save Jamie. I think Brienne will die 100% yeah, agree with Yeah, Bri- Brienne is, has the happiest moment of this yeah. episode. With She's a smile. Dying. She actually smiles. She smiled. actually smiles. So that's, you know, a good way to go, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that's it. You can't get any higher than that. Like, on the way out now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As the Lannisters are talking, Brienne comes in with Pod. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, we're just looking for fire. And then comes uh, Sir Davos and... Tormund, your guy. My, my man. <laughs> my man. Giant Spain. Finally yeah, got right. to figure it no why Good it was Giant Spain. That, that <laughs> was a disgusting story. Oh, it's so it, good. Hilarious. It's so Hilarious good. where he, yeah, he was like... Um, yeah, because they call you King Killer. Yeah, King Slayer, right? Oh, he, oh, said, he king said King Killer. Yeah, do you know why they call me Giant's Bane? <laughs> and without him being like, no, please tell me. He was like, I'll tell you anyway. And the milk, like, well, he, he wasn't drinking milk, but like, and as he chugs the beer, oh my yeah, just God. Just like pouring down the beer, then. Yeah, uh, and guy, Brienne's reaction to that is priceless. Amazing. I love Tormund. RIP for tomorrow for the next episode. You think he's done? He's done. Yeah. He's done. I think you might be right. I hope he's not, man. <laughs> I hope he's not. But all the writing is on the wall that he's going to be smoked. <laughs> right. I think it was Tyrion, right? Like he talks, you know, Sir Davos, Sir Jaime, mm-hmm. and then he misspoke and said calls um, uh, Brienne Sir Brienne because even in our minds she is a knight. Like she Fuck acts yeah. like a knight. She's the most honorable knight there is. Yeah, and like you know. the one of the most capable fighters yes, as well. Like, yes. yeah, she has honor and and bravery and, and all the ca- things yeah, and that capabilities. you need, need to be a knight. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, 
so it feels weird to for for Tyrion to say, "Oh, sorry, Lady Brienne." Mm-hmm. You know, it just doesn't sound right. Hence and why. and then they talk about titles, and and <laughs> Tormund, wait, why aren't you a knight? <laughs> oh, it's tradition. I love it, man. Fuck tradition. <laughs> love it, love it. He's just he speaks his mind, man. I got all the time. And for and how about this line? I'll I'll knight if I were king, I'll knight you ten, ten times, times over. <laughs> yeah, mate. He knows what's going on. He's got game. Mate, love um, it. love it. You know, it was a really moving moment when mm. Jamie decides. You know what? Wait a minute. I I can knight you. I can knight you right now. It's not like it's just not tradition. That doesn't mean we can't do it. Yeah. And I'm just like how I was wondering why is it, you know, when in season seven, what's the symbolic meaning behind the the seven people who were sent beyond a wall with John mm-hmm. to get that zombie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't help but think, you know, what's the purpose of this scene? Why are these the specific people they want together to witness the knighthood of Brienne? This is the theme that I'm kind of tying these characters together is um, these characters have uh, kind of transcended societal norms or they've transcended um, the societal restrictions of where their place is, right? So Mm -hmm. we have Tyrion who was the black sheep of the family and is now the hand to the queen. We have... um, Tormund, who is um, whose whose life is spent fighting against his enemy, which is the Night's Watch, and now will risk his life for the leader of the Night's Watch. Yeah, I think as well, it's it's transitional as well. You mm-hmm. know, it's characters that have gone through a large transition. Agree. And, you know, yes, like, I think that's part plays into part of it as well. Definitely. Um, um, yeah, you know, you've got Sir Davos as well, going from from a, a smuggler, a smuggler to to the know, Onion Knight. Yeah, exactly, to an advisor. Um, you've got Jamie obviously going from the the Golden Lion to the Kingslayer to yes. now fighting for the north against mm-hmm. against this army um you've already mentioned Tyrion. you've got brienne obviously you know the same deal going now from from you know kind of talked down to and belittled etc yes. and now yeah. and now a knight and yeah discriminated against interestingly okay. the thing i the thing i picked up and i guess this is more about the knighting yourself rather than the people there but yeah. um do you remember at the end of season seven brienne and jamie are having a conversation and he's like oh i've got to be loyal and she's like oh fuck loyalty fuck loyalty this goes beyond houses and honor and oaths. Talk to the queen. And then this episode, we now have him saying, like, Jamie during the, his like scene where he's being trialed is like, this goes beyond loyalty. Yes. And then now you've got them defying tradition. Yes. You know, as you said, it's cyclical, right? It yeah. comes back. And I think and it's symbolic of, the, of those, that's their, their kind of those people putting aside, you know, symbolically tradition. putting aside everything else yeah. in order to focus on that. And I, I like it because, um, and, and Jamie is the right person to knight Brienne because out of all of them, I think Jamie's transformation is most uh, metaphorical or personal. His mm-hmm. transformation is more personal. You know, he's still the same status that he always has. Yeah. It's more about, you know, how yeah, how much he has transformed as a person. And Brienne is a large part of that transformation. Yep. When Brienne s- says to Jamie this is not like this is beyond loyalty and tradition mm-hmm. that scene like that was a moment that woke jamie up because here it is this person who is so 
uh, who's the most honorable person he's Loyal, ever met. Traditional, yeah, traditional person yeah, is turning the is, back on it. You can tell that that stuck with him. Well, that also in this zombie Jack in a Box. That's true. That's true. Well, that's but, gonna know. stick with you as well. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Maybe a combination of both, but um, but that changed his mindset. Yeah, definitely. Right. And um, so it was very moving to see him knight Brienne, you know, to say the lines. And she's so happy as she stands up and she's smiling, as you said. That's weird. That was weird. It was heartwarming. It was. It was was, was nice. Like, it it got me in the feels, but it was still like, whoa, I didn't know your face could do that. (laughs) Sorry, just to interrupt very briefly, because we we skipped over it, I think, but just because I was going to join that scene. What? was the purpose of that little scene with the mountain and Arya Arya and Beric Ipatchy Beric yeah um what was the purpose of yeah. that scene because it seemed to me like something that could have easily fallen in deleted scenes but there was obviously probably symbolism that I was or or stuff that I was missing there I I don't know about symbolism but obviously this is a callback to when the three of them were last together, which is an yeah, early with season and... with the Brotherhood, you know, it calls back the Brotherhood without banner. It calls back the Lord of the Light. Obviously, um, uh, I think the purpose of the scene is to keep the Lord of the Light um, in concept in our minds yeah, because okay. obviously um, Beric Dondarrion brings that up before. Um, <laughs> I love the, the hound, lion man. The hound. Sorry, why do I keep saying the hound? The hound. I love the hound's lion man with um, when he's like, yeah, like I'll chuck you over the fucking wall. Like, yeah, I love yeah. It. He even makes it a point in his insult to call back Thoris of Mir, who is the person who brings people back to life. Yeah. Uh, so I think the show wants us to keep that in mind. Yeah, okay. Maybe awaiting possible return of my girl, Melisandra. Your girl, disgusting. <laughs> um, leechy rapist, mate. That's what she is. Dirty leech uh, rapist. The red woman. It, it's nice to see um, a longer interaction between Arya and um, the Hound. I wish yeah. the Hound was in more of it. Like, I yeah. really do. I think he's one of the most underutilized characters in the series. And I think he's deliberately that way, you know? Yeah. But I think that... Yeah, I would, man, I would watch a hound spinoff. Arya's conversation with the hound brings to light the kind of purpose of this episode, which is um, people sharing their humanity with each other. Mm-hmm. This is this is an the episode that reminds us what they're fighting for. Yeah. You know, they, they did it to a certain extent in episode one, but this is the first episode where I really feel it. Mm-hmm. I feel their hopes and dreams. I feel their growth. I feel their humanity. And, and it's kind of highlighted in that conversation where Arya goes... Why are you here? You 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 know you went beyond the wall for John and and you did all these things. Since when have you ever fought for someone other than yourself? And he says to her, "Well, look, I fought for you, didn't I?" Mm. And she's like, "Yeah." Yeah, fair play. Yeah. And that is such a great moment because it, you know it's them being vulnerable with each other and them acknowledging, "Hey, you know, I care about you." That's yeah, that's yeah. that's as far as the hound can go. <laughs> yeah, he's not. You know, you know he's I mean? not going to be openly demonstrative. But no, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I I like that moment. Mm. Yeah, um, me too. Because of that. Um, so, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand that. Yeah, I just seemed like one of those things where it was just like a little like three minute scene where I was like, oh, was it just to get the hound in with a snappy line? Like, you I, know, I think that's also part part yeah, of that. The whole chicken line from the other season. They're just like, oh, we'll bring another one. <laughs> yeah, back yeah. For the crowds. Yeah. yeah. And then we cut back to uh, after Brienne is knighted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Tyrion was like, hey, how about a song? 
Yeah. And, um, you know... Davos like, says no. No. <laughs> yeah, hard no from Davos. Tormund, I don't think he knows what music is. <laughs> no, he probably does, but just oh, okay. not, not their kind of just music. Just like drums. Yeah, exactly, and probably shouting. <laughs> yeah. Thrash metal, that would be Tormund's music. Um, um, yeah, and, and then Pod, And then mate. Pod com- comes out of nowhere. Low-key with... singing voice. Yeah. So that's why, that's why, for me, Pod's arguably MVP, because you also saw him have a little fight. He looks good. And like fuck up that dude training. So I'm like, yo, my man, my man is his look, the sex game is notorious. Yes. Right? By now, we all that's, know, that's you know, prostitutes returning their money. Exactly. <laughs> Unheard of. Yeah. And he can also fight. Yes. And then now we discover he can also sing. Yeah. Triple threat. He's Triple like the threat. Justin Timberlake of of, of <laughs> the North. That's like, right. That's right. Yeah. Justin Justin Winterlake. There you go. <laughs> I want to talk a bit about the song that he sings. Mm-hmm. It's called Jenny's Song yeah. or Jenny of the Old Stones. Mm-hmm. And the kind of lore of that song. So what that song essentially is about is Duncan Targaryen, who is, I guess, Danny's great-granduncle or great-uncle or something like that. The books are different from the from the TV show I here. See. In the TV show, it's Danny's uncle. Uncle, yes, yes. Yeah. In the TV it's show, da- it's, it's Daenerys's uncle. Okay. In the books, it's Daenerys's, yeah, great uncle. I, I see. So, okay, for the sake of simplicity. His um, uncle, her uncle. Yeah, yeah. The, the song is about uh, this Targaryen called Duncan Targaryen, mm-hmm. who is Danny's uncle, who gave up his throne for the woman he loves, mm-hmm. which is Jenny of the Old Stones. Yeah, who was descended from the first people. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, the song isn't actually about that love or that love story. It's about the people that Jenny has lost because because uh, yeah, and and who she, who she dances with, the ghosts that she dances with, mm-hmm. because um, after Duncan kind of gave up his throne, he. Uh, subsequently dies in a tragic fire uh, fire that's right yeah um and uh, then his brother takes the throne aaron it's danny's father yeah yeah so see his brother takes the throne and ter- you know sub- subsequently became the mad king mm-hmm. there's a few things to parse out here right so we have the history of um of this targaryen who gave up the throne for love if he hadn't done that the events of Game of Thrones would not have happened. Cyclical. Yeah. Yeah. Say, yeah. I'm I'm picking up what you're putting <laughs> down here. I think I think I agree the same thing. It's too it's too poignant otherwise. Yeah. Like yeah. it's too it's too symbolic. Yeah. So we have an, it's because we have another layer to this, right? Because after that, what happens? After that, um, the Mad King's son, John's biological father. Rhaegar mm-hmm. doesn't give up the throne, but um, um, well, gives up his position in the family in that in in that respect until obviously that shit happened. That was his plan was to marry her in secret and have kids. You know, exactly, so. exactly. So someone sacrificing their um, their standing for love as well, and then starting a war so in the process. Gonna, who's going to give it up? Which Targaryen? Um, Obviously, I mean, as as of this point, the obvious answer is Big J. Um, Jon Snow obviously doesn't want to be king, yeah. and he's willing to. You you know, you can feel it in your bones that he is willing to give up his uh, claim to the throne for Daenerys, the woman that he loves. So this is the third part of the cycle. So I mean, no hypocrisy though, because she ain't willing to do the same. Exactly. Because either of them could give up. 
Yes. You know, realistically, one of them, if one gave up, the other one still got the, was strong. Oh well, actually, Gendry, let's kill Gendry. Well, I, I don't think actually Gendry has a, has a legitimate claim just because he's a bastard. So I don't think that uh, you know, unless they're both dead. So that that's interesting. I think that it's interesting that they've brought this song in to remind us of or to, to perhaps foreshadow what's to come. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think, look, all signs are pointing towards, you know, if, if both of them make out alive, John abdicating the throne for, for Daenerys. Yeah, I don't think, and I think the last part of the song or, or um, the last layer of the song is the sense of tragedy, right? Because the song is about the aftermath of violence, and after and the aftermath was, despite you know the love story, despite uh, Duncan Targaryen giving giving up his claim to the throne for the woman he loves, they ultimately were not together because he died. He's going to sacrifice himself for Daenerys. Um, or it, vice versa, who knows? I, I would love it the other way around. I'd be so bummed if Jon Snow... I'm just like, why would you sacrifice yourself for her? Right? Mm. You're just like a better version. You are... I mean, he is. Like, let's be honest. Like, He doesn't want to be king, so, you know. Which that. is the, the only people that should ever be king, in my opinion. That's true. You know, this is kind of that reluctant hero kind of thing. The right? anti-hero, man. The one person that doesn't want to be will do the best job. Yeah, you know what I mean, rather yeah. than someone that's power hungry the entire time. The show itself is setting up um, Daenerys as not being a good leader. Like it's trending towards that direction because let's, let's you know, speaking of John and Daenerys, let's talk about the final scene mm-hmm. um, where, you know, once again, we are at the crypts of Winterfell where an, an important... Um, information is exchanged yeah. because you know uh, Danny walks up to John and you could feel like okay once again he's still kind of ignoring her yeah. and then she asks you know who is this woman who's that Lyanna Stark like it's kind of cognitive dissonance right mm-hmm. because she, she said I can't reconcile this people say that he's a good man my, my brother yeah. And yet he kidnapped and, and raped Lyanna uh, yeah, Stark. And then he's like, oh, yeah, and he, he didn't. And John's like, actually, her. no. They were married in secret. After Rhaegar fell on the trident, she had a son. Robert would have murdered the baby if he ever found out, and Lyanna knew it. So the last thing she did, as she bled to death on her birthing bed, was give the boy to her brother. Ned Stark. To raise as his bastard. My name. My real name. Is Aegon Targaryen. Bum, bum, bum. Daenerys is not happy. I love that as well when she's like, wow, oh, it's funny that the two people that corroborate your How story are your best friend. Or blah, blah, blah. Just like, How convenient. Like, why would he be lying about this? Yeah. <laughs> I like that scene because it's very typical um, Daenerys. Like, mm. she would react in that way. Yeah. She would react. And be- because, you know, from her perspective, um, imagine imagine the thing that she singularly wants the throne and she singularly wants to be, you know, ruler of Westeros and believes that to be her birthright. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, her gut reaction is denial. That 
it might not even be her to have that have the possibility of being taken away from you that you know of course that's her gut reaction which is no this is not happening yeah um but you know it's obviously it's going to put a strain on their relationship yeah 100% unless john says you know i don't care you can just have it um, which I think he will say, but I don't think that's enough to um, assure her. Uh, yeah, assure uh, Daenerys that it's not going to happen. Yeah. And again, it comes down to that thing of like, you know, she claims that she loves someone to Sansa and, you know, I love your brother and blah, blah, blah. But then when push comes to shove, it's like realistically, if you loved someone, right? Like, yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm actually heir to the throne. Then I'd be like, well, it doesn't matter because I'm going to be with you anyway, regardless of which one of us is technically in charge. The other one is the queen or king. Right? Yeah, so exactly. We're good. Like, uh, you know, I'm happy to go down a Cersei route and keep banging my nephew. But like, <laughs> you know, down the line, there's an understanding we're both in power here. It doesn't matter which of us has the actual uh, claim to the throne. Exactly. I think uh, marriage solves the problem. Yeah. Um, and, well, and that is yeah. what... That solves is, one, starts another, I guess. Because then she's no better than Cersei. Uh, in terms of the marriage thing? Well, a bunch of reasons. I mean, her biggest fear, right, is like her biggest thing is like, I hate Cersei. I'll never be like Cersei. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Well, and think about innocently killing people with the dragons, mm-hmm, with fire. Mm-hmm. Who else innocently killed a lot of people with fire? Mm-hmm. Cersei. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who, else, who else is in charge of the throne and is shagging their relatives? Um. Yep. Cer- Cersei. Mate, I'm telling you, that's a good parallel, and I think the show is actively trying to make that as well. But yeah. I think it's less of a problem with da- Daenerys because their family—that's what their family does. You know, it's weird for a Lannister to do it, but for Targaryens, are they all like, inbred? Are they? Yeah. So they ha- they marry like brothers and sisters oh, yeah, marry yeah, yeah, because yeah. they need to keep, keep the, the dragon bloodline. Yeah. So uh, and that allows Ugh. them to ride dragons, yeah. right? Because um, yeah, it doesn't dilute that. Kind of but then Jon Snow the can ride dragons. Um, Jon Snow's on yes, the Yes. Yes. Well. Well, there you go. I guess. And then, of course, you get the horn or people screaming. Or yeah, yeah. Music's, the war music starts happening. And you can see the cavalry. And you, 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 you do a close-up shot on uh, Tyrion looking out, and you get the, the, the army of the yeah. White Walkers. Without the Night King. Yeah, no Without Night King. Without the Night the King. I don't know where He's he coming. is. He's coming. Um, it's going to be dramatic when he appears, mate. Out of the sky, big <laughs> blue dragon. Uh, which brings us to, I guess, you know, at the end of every episode, we crown two awards, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we have the Hodor Award to the best character of the episode and the Ollie Award to the worst character of the episode. Okay. Um, so I think you've already hinted at this, but who is your Hodor Award? Who does who does your Hodor Award go it's to? A, it's a draw for me between between Podrick and Giant Spin. Uh, Tormund, yeah. Tormund, yeah. Um, okay, okay. Yeah. I think um, I mean it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> Tormund's just being the most Tormund that we've ever seen him. The best thing when he gets off the horse and comes in and he's like, "It's the big woman here," <laughs> like that, like that single-mindedness. I love, mate. He's just a man of simple pleasures. I rate that. And then yeah, Podrick, because like you said, he's a triple threat, mate. Mm. Like he can do mm. everything, bit of everything, superstar. Um, and then uh, all the awards. Uh, I'll I'll go with my Hodor award. Oh yeah, first. sorry, yeah, yeah. And, Who's yours? Um, I I'm once again I'm always torn between just crowning uh, Sansa my Hodor <laughs> Award winner, but I'm going to hold off and give this to Brienne. Yep, fair. You know, fair. Clear winner. You know, she's actually blissfully happy for the 
you know, for the first time that we've seen her. Yeah. And she finally gets what she wants. And her knighthood is also a symbol of in the chaos of the world that we live in and in the chaos of the Westerosi world mm-hmm. at the brink of collapse. Brienne and the people around her find their own meaning of happiness. Yeah. And um, they provided that to Brienne by validating what we know about her all along and by validating the merits and, and, and strength of her character that she's displayed this whole time. Yeah, and that she constantly refuses to acknowledge as well. It takes a exactly. bunch of other people acknowledging it for her to realize that like, oh... Right, yeah, okay. And I love that micro scene with uh, Jamie's trying to get her to kneel, and yeah. and she acts like she doesn't want it. And Pod goes, you know, like gives her this yeah, look just like they look at each look, other. Look, like, cut this bullshit. You know, yeah. you want this. Yeah. You know. Well, the other thing is he's training to be a knight. Yeah. And I think that was the initial look. Mm. Was like she was like, why would you want to be a knight in mm. a way or whatever she said. And she like looked at Podrick and was like, oh fuck, yeah. actually. Like, <laughs> I mean, and like Podrick knows she wants to be. A knight. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. Yeah, that's anyway. fair. I respect that. Um. Okay, and what is who does the Ollie Award go to? Daenerys, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Same. Yeah. Okay. Same. Good. Like a hundred and fifty percent. There's nobody even in the running. I'm like. actually shocked that I'm giving, I'm calling Daenerys the worst character of an episode because yeah. I, generally I like her, but she was not good this episode. No, she was not. On she form. was very frustrating. Um, not not to say that she was poorly written. I think it's on purpose. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I think, it's not. It's not. It wasn't a bad acting job. Yeah. It wasn't a bad script job or anything. Yeah, just, yeah. her character just did not do the right thing. No, I find know? myself frustrated at the character, which is great writing. Yeah, and it, you know, it's obviously intentional. Really displaying that she might be going down that Mad King route. You know, she's paranoid. That yep. people are against her. That's History a traitor. repeats itself, mate. If we've learned anything from George R. R. Martin. Exactly. Uh, hey, I'm glad we agree on something. There you go. There you go. We might not agree on Arya Sansa, but we agree that Daenerys is a fud <laughs> yeah. in this last episode. So, uh, so I asked you to maybe prepare a list of who you think is going to die next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, and, and you kind of explain why. Okay. Uh, or how, maybe, yeah. if you can. So um, okay. well, do you we, have that list? We, we touched on it a we little bit. We did touch on it. Um, look, Missandri's going to die. Uh, yeah, Missandei, yeah. Missandei's going to die because of the comment about seeing the beaches of North again and everything. She's that dead. is a she's, send-off line, she's right? She's dead. She's dead. Yeah. 100%. Um, I really hope it's not true, but I think Tormund's probably going to die mm-hmm. um, just because of the whole story with the giant Bane. I think he's going to fight an undead giant and like kill it, but succumb to the wounds as a result of it or yes. something. Yes, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, who else did I have dying? I had the Hound dying. I don't know if it'll be this episode, but he will die. I see. Um, I think that's what he's looking for, and I think that's his kind of character resolution. Do you think the Clegane Bowl will still happen? No. You don't think so? No. I mean, the mountain's still alive. Yeah, I don't see it. I hope it does. I really do. I just can't see it. <laughs> what? Like, it, yeah. It, it okay. doesn't make sense. Story. It would just again. It would come down to that thing of appeasing fans mm-hmm. by writing really clumsy storylines in order to make that happen. <laughs> like a situation in three episodes that they can defeat the Night King, get down to King's Landing, defeat the Golden, the you know twenty thousand men of the. Iron Bank. Yes. And then... The Golden Company, yeah. Yeah, and then defeat your own Greyjoy and then come face-to-face with Cersei in the mountain and then beat the mountain. Mm. I, can't, I can't see it happening. Mm. If it is, it'll be some bullshit where, like, Cersei in the mountain come north to see how it's going. Or, like, do you know what I mean? It's just... It's, <laughs> I can't see it. Which um, is a shame because I would love to see it. 
Yeah, because we ha- we do have four episodes essentially. But you know, given the speed of the first two episodes, I think they might be crazy enough to give us that. Maybe we'll see. Um, I guess I think like this next episode's pace will dictate what happens. Yes. Really, in terms of kind of how, because if it, the battle's resolved, because it's going to be a long one next one, right? Yeah. So it's I think around an hour and twenty minutes, and yeah. it's the longest battle ever shot. Yeah. So if that if that ends up finishing the battle then yeah then there's another three episodes yeah it could happen i think brienne i think brienne is marked for death yeah um so for me i think um number one brienne's going to die and theon um and theon that's that's the second person i'm going i was going to say Mm -hmm. i think gray worm is going to die interesting Um, oh we got miss sandy gray worm which one of them is going to die right we accept this yeah yeah. one of them i I just think that so basically if miss sunday starts dying we should be really worried because ideally she's in the safest place that could be which is maybe the crypts so if she is the one that starts dying I, I think, think that we are in more trouble than we think than we think yeah, we are. You know, okay. I think more people that we care about will die because that's when the kind of late game twist comes yeah, in, right? Yeah, yeah. I still reckon she'll die. Oh, you know who who I think will die, and I'm very mad and sad about it. Um, Ghost. Yeah. Because we haven't seen we haven't seen Ghost. No, it's just a forgotten about plot. Line. I think he's going to it's going to be the typical bring a dire wolf into battle to kill it kind yeah. of situation. Where, where's Bronn? Uh, Bronn is on his way. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so this this could theoretically happen, which is Bronn gets into the mix and tries to kill Jamie or Tyrion. This is my prediction. Brienne dying will indirectly be Cersei's fault. Yeah, okay. And that will send Jamie, Jamie to kill Cersei. Cersei. I, I just don't think that Cersei's story ends without Jamie being in it. Yeah. So fair, I think fair. that Jamie actually survives this yeah, I could uh, see the that. battle. I could see that. And then and then Bronn tries to kill Jamie, Brienne gets in the way, Brienne ends up dying, Jamie kills Bronn and blames Cersei for the death of Brienne, so goes and kills Cersei. Maybe. I like it. It's strong. It's strong. <laughs> uh okay. Any final thoughts? Tyrion's gonna be king. I call I'm calling it right now. I called it a couple of weeks ago, but right now I'm the rank outsider. I've got a little bit of money on it. But okay. trust me, Tyrion's gonna be king. Okay, that's and Varys the... is his hand. You heard it here first. <laughs> that's the um uh, mountain you're gonna die on, basically. Yeah, that is the official Lewis end of season eight <laughs> prediction. I'm hanging my coat on that now. You heard it here first. There you go. Um all right, well hey, thanks for joining me. Pleasure. And Thank uh, you for until next time. Bye bye. Statement. Everything comes in time and you're rewarded for showing patience My life goes in stages At times I'm motivated and at times I want to let everybody know I hate this I'm so complacent but don't even know I'm waiting so far from the fast lane I'm in the road adjacent Full of drunk opinion, rarely make a sober statement I just pray the whole world wakes up like a coma patient No relation but I know they won't Okie doke, the world's full of Pinocchios I'm wondering how they broke their nose It probably got that way when 
you are lying through your teeth I'm still finding that the sheep are yet trying to be unique And it kinda isn't sweet So I'm worked up and pissed off Murdered the disc jock and served up in big lots I learned young don't kick off or stir stuff in this pot Just burn bud and big raws and turn up the hip hop The truth to I, you decide when you choose to die I will wear a suit and tie of my own suicide The truth to I, you decide when you choose to die I will wear a suit and tie of my own suicide The truth to I, you decide when you choose to die I will wear a suit and tie of my own suicide The truth to I, you decide when you choose to die I will wear a suit and tie of my own suicide Crawled out the well The spineless little cretin Always falling under spells Trying to glimpse the sun Before his voyage back to hell Because a snail is named a slug When he's caught without a shell Drunk, sober Sleeping on a love sofa There's people that are fucked And then there's people that are fucked over They say you change as you become older But I remain the uncaged Unchanged drug smoker Cause this bad guy's harmless I lift my shield when the black knight charges Girls act like targets But I'm lost now Tossed out with last night's garbage With something always missing Like half-priced bargains But I act quite charming A young Don Draper This chump's not favoured In the love god's capers And I still lead the way Like I'm gunshot tracers And I've stayed fat since way back The lunchbox raider The truth to I You decide when you choose to die I will wear a suit and tie Of my own suicide The truth to I You decide when you choose to die I will wear a suit and tie Of my own suicide The truth to I You decide when you choose to die I will wear a suit and tie Of my own suicide The truth to I You decide when you choose to die I will wear a suit and tie Of my own suicide Popular guy could never put his problems aside And got lost as he tried to catch a wandering eye But what a surprise, didn't cost me my life But the scars I still bear were never caused with a knife But they still leave me faceless, with no hope But yet a man so choked in desert sand Seeking an oasis, still breathing but in stasis I'm barely alive, preparing to die With the last knife impaled in my side I mean, who are any of us? Just merry thugs, when the best of us Are selling drugs and letting weapons bust We fill the air with our metal slugs but when it's all said and done We're left lamenting the lack of love and the settled dust So just put the gun down, leave the money where it is Tell that bitch up in the corner that her underwear is slipped Unroll that 20 sheet and put it back up in your pocket Cause the captain of the ship is now returning to the cockpit The truth to I, you decide when you choose to die I will wear a suit and tie of my own suicide The truth to I, you decide when you choose to die I will wear a suit and tie of my own suicide The truth to I, you decide when you choose to die I will wear a suit and tie of my own suicide The truth to I, you decide when you choose to die I will wear a suit and tie of my own suicide The truth to I